Each week in this particular series that I've started it off by sharing with you just several things so that you are aware what the purpose of this particular series is. Uh, our, our, uh, and so I started off by really kind of talking about the condition of, of the Champion Center. And I've shared with you that the economic condition of the Champion Center is good, that uh, all of our debts are paid off, uh, it, and also um, our giving is, uh, is consistent. And so the economic condition of the, of the Champion Center is good. So this particular series is not of a, uh, about what we want from you, but this particular series is about what we want for you. And uh, as we uh, take a look at this particular uh, message today, that I do want to understand, uh, and I, I believe that you do understand and recognize that God has a plan for your life. And the plan that God has for your life was in the beginning. It was during creation where when the Bible says God spoke everything else. But for man, he formed you. And so God's words created everything else. But when he created you, he put his hands on you. The, the word of God really shares in a, in a very powerful way. He says he wants us to be fruitful and he wants us to multiply. And uh, as he shared that, what I uh, want to uh, bring your attention to is that throughout the Old and New Testament, we see stories of how God multiplied and the power of multiplication. Um, we uh, see a story, if you recall, it was in the book of, of uh, I believe it was uh, when Jesus was standing, it was when Jesus was standing with a group of people and uh, he was ministering with his disciples and um, they said to him, uh, Jesus, uh, it's getting late. And so will you send these people home because they are going to need something to eat? And Jesus says, you feed them. And they said that, you know what, if we were to feed them, it would take a half year wages. And that's what you want us to spend on one meal. And Jesus said these words. He says, what do you have among you? What do you have? And, um, and so they brought him five loaves and two fish. The Bible says he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And uh, the disciples were really amazed because that these five loaves and these two fish, they fed 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. And not only that, but it multiplied so that not only did it feed them, but they had leftovers. And they thought that they did not have enough to meet the need. But yet he asked them the question, he says, what do you have? We also see that in, uh, with the woman of Zarephath. The Bible tells us that she was a woman that was there and she had one meal. She had a cake, she had water, and she was about to bake it and, uh, so that she and her son could die. That was her expectation. But God had a plan to multiply her. And when she followed God's plan, uh, then the Bible says that she had enough meals to last her through the three-year-plus famine. So God multiplied one meal into years of meals. And you know what? If this woman looked at what she had, she would have never recognized. Uh, if she only kept what she had, she would have never recognized what she could have and the miracle that God to, could perform in her life. 
And so to help you understand the power of multiplication and when God has, is speaking and what he wants to do for you, as he shared in the beginning, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. And so God helps us in our multiplication process. And so to help you uh, understand that, uh, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Kings, uh, chapter 17. It's 2 Kings, chapter 17. And in 2 Kings, chapter 17, we're going to look in verses 1 through 7. 1 through 7. 2 Kings, chapter 17. And in verse 1, what we find here in verse 1, that um, the wife of a man <laughs> from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. The wife of this man, who was from the company of the prophets, cried out to Elisha. And she said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know, he revered the Lord. But now his creditors is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And so what I want you to notice here is that there are four things, at least, that we can see in this particular passage. Uh, that that, that uh, Elijah uh, th knew this woman and Elijah knew this man. He knew this woman and he knew her husband. Uh, because the Bible tells us that, that she was the wife of a man from the company of the prophets. And, and, and the company of the prophets uh, was started by Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, the Bible says that there were two schools of prophets. And so Samuel started the company of prophets, but these company of prophets were taught God's way so that they could share it with the people. They were taught God's way, and, uh, and we find then that there was a school of prophets that Elijah taught and a school of prophets that Elisha taught. And so Elisha knew this uh, man. He was familiar with their family. Uh, and, and we can see that because she said that, and you know, that he revered the Lord. So he was familiar with her. He was, they had a relationship together. The second thing that we see is that um, she was a widow. She was a widow. And, and the interesting thing about a widow is that unless a widow is remarries or unless she has family, she uh, lived the rest of her life in poverty as her, as after her husband died. And, and, and it was extreme poverty. And that's why Jesus had talked about caring for the widows and, and, and the orphans. Because they lived in extreme poverty and they needed someone to look out for them. So this woman was a widow. And then what we recognize also is that not only did her husband die uh, poor, uh, but he left her in debt. And you know what? That's a pretty bad situation, isn't it? That if, you, if, if you're poor and, 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 you're, and, and, and usually you're, the script that's written about you is that you're going to live the rest of your life after the breadwinner is gone in extreme poverty. Um, but after he died poor and left her in debt, notice the fourth thing that we see here is that it was about to destroy her family. How many of you know that the, if, you, if you've never been in financial stress before. You don't understand exactly what I'm talking about. But the greatest stress that I've ever experienced in my life was financial stress. 
I, and I could handle anything else, but financial stress, it, it just does something to your, your emotions. It does, does something to your blood pressure. It does something to your weight. It does something to your mind. It does something to every facet of your body. And if you've never had to experience that in your entire life, would you put your hands together and give God some praise? Let the record show that everybody knows in some phase or facet what this woman experienced. Now, verse 2, Elisha replied to her. She said that, look, I'm in debt. It's about my FICO score is all messed up. And, 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 and the, creditors, the creditor is coming, and it's about to tear my family up apart. And Elisha replied to her. Let's read that together. Let's read it together now. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars, and don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. The Bible says that she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Now, didn't I ask you, let's read together now? Let's read this verse and the next one together. Now, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is, oh my God. Elisha was the prophet of that day. And before we really look at this story, it's critical that we understand the role of the prophet during that time. And the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 18 and 19, it tells us that God says that I'm going to raise a prophet like you. They're going to be like you. They're going to be among you. And I'm going to put my words in his mouth. And he's going to tell you everything that I say, everything that I command him. And, and notice in, in, in verse 19. Let's read it together. Now, I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks. And so notice what happens. He says that I am going to hold anyone accountable who hear my word but do not act on what I am saying. And so the prophet represented a, the median where God spoke to so that he could speak to the people. 
So the prophet represented one who had God's word. Now today we know that we don't need someone to stand between us and God. We can hear from God all by ourselves. But during that time, they had someone that was between them and God. And so God says that I'm going to share my word. My word will be shared with you. And that I'm going to hold you accountable to listen to and do what my word says. What was really important about this lady in this story, this woman in this story, is that she had a past and it wasn't good. But it was not important at this particular time what her past was. The immediate need that she had was she had a need, she, had, she needed support. And what did she do? She sought the Lord. She sought the word of the Lord. And so as she sought the word of the Lord, Elisha says to her, tell me your condition. Isn't that interesting? Then he says, what do you have in your house? In other words, he's saying, tell me the condition you're in financially. And it's interesting to, to me that in some cultures, and particularly in the Asian culture, uh, they, talk about, um, they talk about financial uh, situations openly. But in America, talking about our financial situation is taboo, taboo. And we don't talk about our money. And do you know that many married couples discuss a lot of things, but money is not one of them. And so what I began to do is I began to wonder, why is it that people do not talk about money? Why is it do they not talk about their financial condition? And you know what I come to realize? I came to realize that money is, is it, when people talk about money, it's more than money. Because see, money to them is love, some people. Money to them is protection. Money to them is security. Money to them is happiness. Money is independence. And money is freedom. And so when you start pushing the money buttons, then now you start pushing happiness because they recognize that they are not where they desire to be. And so what they covered up becomes revealed to them. They become aware that I'm really not happy. I'm really not independent. I'm really not financially free. I, I, I'm, re I'm really not. And they start going down the list. And so when we push the money buttons, it's really important that we recognize that it is an opportunity to become aware of the things that you have been pursuing in your life and then to grow in those areas, to grow in those areas. Now, Elisha says to this woman, he says, tell me your condition. And she says these words, she says that I have nothing but a small jar of oil. I, I have nothing but a, a container a small container of oil. That's all I have. Now, it's really significant because oil during that day was a commodity. It was used to trade and it was seen at in as many ways as personal income. You remember when this woman with the alabaster box came to worship Jesus 
And the Bible says that she broke this, this, this jar of oil and, and the fragrance filled the room and she worshiped him. And, and Judah says that why all this waste? It represents a year of wages. It could have been sold and given to the poor. So oil represents a type of commodity or income. Now, Judas, we know, really didn't really care about the poor. Because if he did, I mean, he, okay. Judas didn't really care about the poor. Judas was, was really, uh, if you look at it, averse to those that were worshiping. Simply because he knew in his heart what he was about to do. Now, so, so we find here that this woman, uh, she says, I have nothing but an R, a small jar of R, oil. I have nothing. So Elisha says, what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to borrow as many jars uh, that you can get. And he says, borrow empty ones. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say go and get more oil from other people and then trade it and then you can maybe get more. He says, go borrow empty jars. And, and, and the reason that he didn't tell them, I believe, to go and, and, and borrow oil, because he was not, in, God's plan was not for her to go and get in debt to try to get out of debt. God didn't want her to get a payday loan. So, so he says to her, he says that, uh, go get some empty jars. And as you get these empty jars, what I want you to do, he says that I want you to uh, go and take your sons and close the door behind you. So close out the conditions in the world. And I want you to get into this place. It's you and your family. And when you get into this place, then I want you to begin to pour it out. And I want to show you something here. What's interesting to me is that what Elijah was telling her to do was scientifically impossible because scientific law says that you can only fill another jar with one that is the same size or one that is smaller than the one that you're using. That's scientific law. But he began to share something with her and he says these words. He says, I want you to go and get these empty jars. And as you get these empty jars, I want you to go into the room. And what happened is that God had a plan for her life. God had a plan to multiply her. And what Elisha was telling her to do was seemed impossible. But yet she followed the plan of God for her life. And notice what happens. He says, what I want you to do is he says that I want you to, to uh, begin to pour this oil. And as you pour this oil, uh, I want you to just pour it. And, and, and as, as you pour this oil, just keep pouring it. And then you're going to get not just one jar of oil, but you just keep pouring it. And you just keep pouring it. And don't borrow just a few, but borrow a lot. And because, see, if you keep borrowing the empty jars, then now you were looking at what you, your limitation was because she did not fully believe that what she had could be used to solve her problem. And so he says that I want you to just keep, I just want you to keep, and he says that, you know what, 
that jar of oil is not going to go out. And although it looks like it's going to go out, what happened is that God was speaking to her and God, and God was sharing with her a power of multiplication that she did not fully understand. But in the midst of what she saw was her limitation, God went beyond that limitation and then he just said that I got some stuff and I'm just going to keep pouring and I'm just going to keep pouring and to the extent that you've obeyed what I have said, then you're going to have more than you need. And so this woman now has this, these jars, they're empty, and she just keeps pouring, 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 and she keeps pouring, and she keeps pouring, and she keeps pouring, and she keeps pouring. And do you know what? She kept pouring, and the Bible says she reached to her son, looked over to her son, and she said, hey, bring me another jar. And he said that there aren't any more, and the oil stopped. See... God's plan was to take what she saw was impossible and to cause what was natural to become supernatural. And that what she felt that she had was not enough to use to solve her problem. God saw it as more than enough if by faith she would follow his plan. And so after she had gotten all the bottles, she says to Elijah, I have filled up all the jars that I have. He says these words. She says, go and sell them, and that you and your sons can live on them. What this woman saw was a problem, that God turned her problem into a miracle, simply because she was willing to follow his plan. And it did not make sense because scientifically in the natural, that what she had was really not enough. But I want to show you something here, that as long as she was prepared to follow the plan of God, the oil continued to flow in the vessels until they were full. And so it shares with something that your blessing, your blessing, your blessing may be limited by your capacity to receive. Would you say that with me? My blessing is limited by my capacity to receive. One more time. My blessing is limited by my capacity to receive. Now, when you look at what you have, don't look at the lack. Come on, would you say that with me? When I look at what I have, I will not look at my lack. So when you look at what you have, do not look at the lack. But you look at what your lack can become. So when you look at what you have, don't look at what you lack, but look at what your lack can become. And so there is the world's plan for our finances and there is God's plan for multiplication. So let me just share this with you, the world's way. The world's way is that you earn money, you enjoy it, you pay your debts. If you have anything left over, you invest. And if you invest, you have something left over, you can give. That's the world's way. And do you notice the world's way? The world's way said, I'm going to enjoy this thing myself before I focus on everybody else. But notice God's plan for our finances. God's plan is to tithe and to offer. In Deuteronomy 14, 23, he talks about that. He says that what I have instituted tithing to teach you how to trust me. The second thing that the Bible tells us that is God's plan for our money is that you pay your taxes. Matthew twenty two twenty one. 21, Jesus 
uh, said that render unto Caesars that which is Caesar. The third uh, thing that God wants you to do with your money is he wants you to pay your debts. Psalm 37, 21. The fourth thing that God wants you to do is to support your family. Would you just say amen? amen. God wants you to support your family. 1 Timothy 5 and 8, he says that if a believer does not support his family, he is worse than an infidel. Oh, he's, he's not just an unbeliever, but he's worse than an unbeliever. But, but, but not only does he want you to just take care of your family while you're here, but the Bible says part of taking care of your family is that you leave generational inheritance. And so God's plan is that you generationally invest. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. The last thing is that you give alms. He says that I will bless you so that you can be a what? I will bless you so you can be a what? I will bless you so you can be a blessing. And so there is the world's way that says you earn it, you enjoy it, you pay your debts. If you've got anything left over, you invest, and then you can give it away. Uh, but God's plan says you tithe and offer because what you give to me, it's my plan that I'll make sure that there's multiplication that shall come. Now, to the extent of faith that this woman had, is measured by how many jars she was able to gather. And these jars had to be prepared, and those that were not, boom, it stopped the, uh, the flow or the miracle that God was providing in her life. And so you tithe and offer, you pay your taxes, you pay your debts, you support your family, generational investing, and then you give alms. Now, you pay your taxes, but you don't pay more than what you ought to. Amen? Uh, you, you pay your debts. You support your family, but you lay up an inheritance for your children's children, and you become a blessing to someone else. And that's what Timothy says, is that we, we, we don't uh, uh, focus on, have our hope in riches, which is uncertain, but we have our hope in God who provides whatever it is that we need. And he says it like this, and he says, and then you will live a life that's really living. I want you to make sure you have those, which is God's plan for your life, for your finances, and that as we follow God's plan, whatever you see that does not look like it's enough to handle your situation, that because you, just as this woman, followed God's plan, God starts multiplying it. Why? It's just his plan for multiplication. Now, if you stop, then you miss the miracle of the more than enough. So this is what I want to leave you with you today. Your blessing may be limited by your capacity to receive. Come on, say it one more time with me. My blessing, my blessing is, limited is limited by my capacity to receive. See, as long as she had stuff in the jar, she couldn't receive. But because they were empty and she obeyed God, then now her capacity, her blessing was, was only limited by her capacity. And that's why she needed capacity. And so the question is, is your container too small? Second thing, although your, your blessing is limited by your capacity, your capacity to receive is based on your willingness to follow the plan of God. Your past capacity to receive is based on your willingness to follow the plan of God. And then the, number three, when you look at what you have, 
Don't look at what you lack. You need to say that when I look at what I have, I will not look at what I lack. But I will look at what can become of what I have. And when you follow God's plan, no matter how challenging it is, no matter how difficult it is, when you follow God's plan, then God takes what seems like not enough to handle the problem that you have. Not enough to do what you need to do. Not enough to leave an inheritance to your children's children. But what will happen is that because your, your capacity to receive is open, that God keeps pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and he multiplies the little that you had into something that's more than enough. So he says these words. He says that when you're faithful with the little, that I will give you more because you've proven your faithfulness.